Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into The Diana Show. Today my guest is Fiona and she has a very special place in my heart and always has. I started doing her hair when she was just a teenager in high school and through the beauty of social media have been able to follow her. She's now 35 years old, just celebrated 35 this week. Happy birthday, Fiona. And she's coming on to talk to us today and share a very vulnerable story about uh, having an explant surgery, which is basically having her breast implants that she had put in. She had them removed after three and a half years. Now, the interesting part about this is that she did not have any like illness. She wasn't forced to take them out. She didn't have cancer and had to have them in, nothing like that. She elected to put them in. And then after having them, realized it was not the best choice for her and decided to take them out. And I have to say, I was so moved by that because I cannot tell you how many times I have made a mistake and done something that I wish I hadn't have done. And it takes a lot of bravery to turn around and go and make that right for yourself, especially if there's other people, other outside forces that are cheering you on or reading for you to do something that just really isn't a fit for you. So this is a story of a woman um, growing into a truer version of herself. Um, she talks about an eating disorder that she suffered with. She talks about her mental health, her therapy. Um, so it's just a really beautiful conversation and I so appreciated her sharing, um, and giving some insights as to what her reasoning was for, you know, getting them in the first place and that were, what made her come to the decision to have them taken out. So without further ado, I'm going to get to this conversation with Fiona. If you have any interest in getting to know her better, please reach out to me at ms.dianapiquet on Instagram and I will definitely um, pass your information along. Plant surgery, gosh, I guess that was in December mm -hmm. of last year. Um, I I got my implants originally put in, I think three or four years prior to the explant surgery. Um, mm -hmm. You know. I have always struggled with insecurities in my body. Um, like I was listening to one of your podcasts, Diana, that you just did right before you called talking about, you know, positive body image and, mm -hmm. and how you've struggled. And I just think it's such an important conversation to have. And mm -hmm. it's so important for, for women to speak up and tell their story because it's especially in this day and age with everything that we're exposed to on a daily basis, it's important to, to hear other people's stories that aren't rainbows and butterflies in a filtered social media feed. Right. Um, and you know, I had my implants put in, I was in a relationship at the time. Um, and the idea of having them was very much so encouraged by my partner. It was an idea that, sort of popped in my head. Um, I, you know, I'd taken up working out a lot. My chest became pretty small, but honestly, Diana, like I always loved my small boobs. Like I didn't really have an issue with them, mm -hmm. but at that point in my life, I think that I was really striving for some sort of external validation mm -hmm. from my partner. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of, 
seeing that as a red flag and wanting to be with somebody who would celebrate my body and love my body the way that it was. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a sobering admission, even sitting here saying it right now, but I very much went into that process. I think more excited about the way it would make him feel more so than the way it would make me feel. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I had the surgery done and with all that said, I take, this is on me, you know, this is not on my partner at all. There were a lot of great things about that relationship as well, but as soon as I got them and Diana, you've, you've had yours done as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had mine done at 35. Well, there you go. Um, mm-hmm. I immediately was just like, what the fuck have I just done? You know, right. like you look in mm-hmm. the mirror and I mean, let's be honest, they don't look great right afterwards anyways. Um, but there was very much a, like, I just felt disconnected from them from the beginning. Okay. And I found that, you know, a lot of women who have breast implants like to wear different clothes or show them off a little bit. And I found myself becoming very much the opposite. Um, I was covering up more and I felt like, you know, I was cheapening my brand, I guess, by Mm -hmm. doing otherwise. I just didn't connect to them. I felt like they weren't a part of my body. Um, And so I lived with them for three and a half years and I finally decided, you know, I really just want them out and I want a fresh start. So I went to see a new doctor and he actually took them out under local anesthesia, which, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, which I opted for because I wanted to have whatever surgery would, I didn't want to put my body through all of the drugs. Mm -hmm. So that experience in itself was mind blowing. Uh, I went into it very apprehensive. I was very nervous. Uh, but they gave me a little bit of laughing gas to suck on. And it was actually kind of a cool experience. It was very easy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then they were out and I remember like, cause I was completely awake. I remember him pulling them out and me just being like, ha, huh, like, okay, this is good. This is, I already feel more like myself. And you know, this story is really a culmination of a lot of things that I'd struggle with prior in life too. Um, back in college in my early years, I was really deeply immersed into an awful eating disorder. Um, it was a time in my life where there were a lot of things happening that I felt very out of control with. Um, mm-hmm. I developed a lot of anxiety And that is the way that I decided to deal with it. Um, And I went through a lot of therapy to get better, Mm -hmm. learned a lot about myself. Um, But I think it's important for me to recognize that I'm very much a perfectionist with myself. And the story of, you know, my breast implants and having them removed is just kind of a larger example of that. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm so happy they're out. And, and I say this with like all the love to my women out there who have breast implants and love them and they give them self-confidence. I am so for that. But at the end of the day, I just got them for all the wrong reasons. And, um, I know a lot of women getting them out as well because of blessed breast implant illness. Mm -hmm. I did not struggle with any of that. And I feel like 
even though my story matters, um, there are a lot of women who have dealt with a lot of horrible side effects and women who have to get implants because they have cancer and their breasts are removed. I mean, my story just doesn't measure up to these women who go through these really brave moments in their life. But I think it's one worth telling and one worth women hearing who may be feeling some of those same things. Yeah, I think any story that we can record and get out and put out there, if it touches, you know, one or two people that are like, oh, I'm feeling that way too. Right. I I don't, you know, maybe, maybe we're, who knows, we might be speaking to someone's ear right now that is like, well, gosh, you know, I don't, I haven't had cancer. And so I shouldn't have got him in the first place. And then I got him and now I don't really like him. And, you know, you are very, your story is very relatable because I'm sure that there's other women who have gotten them for the right or the wrong reasons. And then they just don't feel right. And it's always okay to pursue what's rightest for you. And everybody's an individual, right? And making the decisions for the right reason, you know, Uh I, the the bigger message too is we have to embrace our bodies. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to look in the mirror and love all the parts. Mm -hmm. I think we as a people and a lot of the time as women look into the mirror and the only things we see are the parts we don't like. And I think it is a very intentional practice to slide your way around that. It's a very easy trap to fall into. Um, but it's, it's just about embracing your body. And I've, I've so enjoyed, I think I've learned so much just from that experience of having them in and getting them out that, Hey, like this is me and I love it. And I don't Mm -hmm. need to change that part of my body, not for anybody else. And, you know, it's a powerful message. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because I remember I've always followed you on social media and, you know, Mm -hmm. social media is not always reliable. I won't see you all the time, but every once in a while you'll pop up for me. And then I'm like, Oh, I didn't know you had them in. I, I didn't, hadn't noticed that you got them in particularly. And then I only noticed that you got them out because it was a picture of you in like leggings and a sports bra. And it was, you were, the caption was like, I feel so much more like me. This is a fresh start. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I wonder what's up with that. I want, I want to hear how that went down. So it's so interesting to hear how that was for you. But speaking to what you said about how, how important it is to be, you know, body positive, it's confusing because when you hear people talking about being body positive at, at any size, I have children at all sizes. Right. And while I do think it is important to recognize that every child, every adult, no matter what size their body is, deserves love, respect, yes. compassion. I also do believe that every body works best with eating healthy foods, you know, as much are accessible and yes. um, for the most part, you know, um, drinking within limits and getting some exercise. Yes. And so I, it's a hard thing because I don't want to be like, pinned as a kind of a person that's like, okay, I'm, a, I'm totally against being completely overweight, but I have been completely overweight and I know how I felt and it wasn't great. Right. Um, but I also feel like we don't have to, you know, we don't all have to be one size or one height that's or have our arms look a certain way or our boobs be a certain size or our butts, you know, like, right. And also while we're on that topic, I feel like I grew up in a culture where the women would get together and kind of complain about their bodies. Absolutely. And I would hear sort of like, um, you know, my mother and her friends complaining about 
you know, their stomachs or their stretch marks or the this or the that. And not that, not that I haven't fallen into that trap before because I definitely mm-hmm. have, but I think it's important to be mindful around our children and mindful around that next generation Absolutely. that whatever message that you send, whatever you speak is what it is. And so if you're speaking in a cruel way about your body, That's your right. body might act in a cruel way, you know? So it's really important to affirm your body and talk about, you know, how grateful you are for your body and yes. the things that your, your body does right. And I, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting, I definitely have some work to go in that area yeah, for sure. I think, I think we all do though, Diana. And I think it's, it's a forever process. And, you know, it's funny, you talk about gals getting together and talking about their bodies or complaining. And sure, I think, you know, I hear a lot of that. And, you know, as, as a friend, I am a very uplifting friend and, and love to talk to women about stuff like that and figure out why they feel that way. Right. Because it's never really about the food or or the body. It's where are those self-doubts coming from? Where are they stemming from? What did you experience? What was your conditioning? What got you to a place where you feel these ways? Mm -hmm. And it's so much deeper than, than what we see on the surface, but like I can be a great friend in that way, but am I talking to myself the same? And a lot of the time it, it just, it's so easy to be that for somebody else, but why are we not talking to ourselves in that same manner? Right. Right. I think in some ways I've found it. um, I don't want to stand out and be the person that's like, okay, I'm okay with my body. I like my body. I, you know, yes, I, I, and my body's aging. I think as your body ages, it's more like, uh, it is, you know, you, you get a little bit more like, oh gosh, I appreciate that my body is still functioning the way that it is at 50 years old. So you become (laughs) a little bit more grateful as you age. But when I was younger, you know, if everyone else is sitting around the pool talking about how much they wish their, their stomach was flatter or their ass wasn't sagging or their, you know, whatever. Right. It's like, that's kind of the thing that everyone's doing. But I think recognizing now, like, I really want to run with the stallions now. I really want to hang around (laughs) with the people that are like doing better things. And I feel like talking more positively about your body parts and in a more realistic way too. I mean, and it is just a body. There's so many more things to worry about besides your body, you know, like, yes. You know, your gorgeous voice. I haven't heard your gorgeous voice in so long. (laughs) You know, your face and your hair and your hugs and um, the way that you would laugh. And like, I remember how you and your mom, like you would always come in together and I'm like, oh, I just miss, it would make me miss my mom because there's just that camaraderie between mother and daughter. So there's so many other things. My point is besides what size your feet are, you know, that's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's just it's a topic of conversation. And I think it always, it always will be, you know, we're vain. People are vain. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big idea that, you know, the better you look, the easier your life is. And um, with that comes a lot of pressure and, yeah. um, you know, we create, we create a lot of that for ourselves and um, you know, you don't have to be an overweight person to feel those things. It is not, it's not something that is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
Um, it is not something that discriminates against one way or the other. Like this is something that we do as a whole, as a people, like everyone is involved in this sort of toxic behavior. A mm-hmm. lot of us are not everyone. Mm-hmm. Some people are better than others. Um, but it's definitely something that, you know, we need to be having conversations about, um, which is why I just love that you're doing these podcasts and, you know, uh, and you, you talk about, you mentioned how important it is, you know, to eat healthy and work out, not because of a number that you're reaching in the back of your jeans or on a scale, but because of the way that it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, I'll be 35 next week. And, you know, when I went through a really dark part in my life in my early twenties, I was completely consumed with numbers. It was, you know, I would weigh myself multiple times a day. Like how dumb is that? Like Mm -hmm. as a woman, you're eating food, you're drinking, you have a period, like your weight fluctuates like crazy, Mm -hmm. but the number on the scale would affect my mood. It would affect how my day was going to go. Yeah. And the calories it's, it's a counting game, but when you can let go of all of that, it is, there is a massive exhale with it because Mm -hmm. I have gotten to that point finally in my life. And I will not say that I'm perfect by any means in that realm, but I am at a point in my life where I I exercise and I eat and I try my best to do what I do because it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. I don't step on a scale. I have a pair of jeans that will tell me everything I need to know. And, you know, once you can just fucking relax about all of that, Mm-hmm. that is when everything seems to just fall into place and it's a process to get there. And I keep using the word intention, but like, that is such an important word because there is a lot of intention in trying to get there. It does not happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, it took me 10, 12 years to get to where I am today. And I finally feel like I'm in a place where I'm not freaking out. If I gain five pounds, you know, mm-hmm. like something that no one would even notice except for me. Right. And, um, yeah, I just, I think it's just getting to a place where you just want to make your body feel good. Just want to feel good. Do you feel like the, the dark spot that you went through in your twenties was a culmination of like what was going on in college? Like there were other girls who were obsessed about. Oh my God. Um, so at that point in my life, my parents were off and on and moving towards a divorce. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That That's was a big hard one for me. Um, and also at that time, so my mother's parents were my next door neighbors. So my grandparents, I spent just as much time with them as I did with my mom and dad. Um, okay. They were absolutely phenomenal grandparents and I was very mm-hmm. close with them. But at that point in my life, um, my grandfather had diabetes. He had part of his leg removed. He was an amputee. He passed shortly after. And then my grandmother, um, suffered from Alzheimer's. Mm. So oh, that's hard too. It was hard. It was, you know, her decline and somebody who was basically like a second mother to me and watching her not be able to mm. recognize who I was anymore, um, was very, very hard. And all I wanted to do was just fix everything. Yeah. I wanted to fix my parents' situation. 
you know, I wanted to fix uh, what was happening to my grandparents. I couldn't do it. And all of this anxiety just started to build up inside of me. What, and then that turned into like creating this acute way of what I could control my Mm -hmm. weight, how I looked, you know, I wanted, I internalized all of that energy and focus into myself, into something I felt like I could control. It was a distraction to all of that noise that was in my life. Um, you know, and, and I, I went to college and I started drinking and, um, you know, I thought it was, thought white Russians were really tasty to get a buzz off of Mm -hmm. (laughs) started gaining weight. You know, I played sports in high school constantly and when I got to college, like I just started gaining weight. So then there was this whole play. It was a perfect setup. It was a layup for me to fall into this eating disorder and it all happened. And, um, my world came crashing down a little bit. My, my mother caught onto the signs, thank God. Um, and as you spoke about my mother earlier, she is absolutely my best friend Mm. in the whole wide world. She's Mm -hmm. so amazing. Um, forced me into therapy, took me basically kicking and screaming and took years, but I got better. Um, I did a lot of damage to my body, but I got better and now I'm healthier than ever. And I'm because of that journey, I get to be so thankful for where I am today. And, um, you know, at the time I was also on a lot of anxiety medication and I I hated being on anxiety medication. Mm -hmm. So that is when I started to, um, you know, I took the reins and I said, look, like I need to start working out. I need to manage my anxiety off this medication and I need Mm -hmm. to get better. So I did a lot of therapy. I did a lot of self-work. I learned how to take care of my body with healthy food and exercise. And was it perfect and pretty? No, it took me a very long time um, to create consistency and all of that, but I got there and, um, and anybody can, if they want it bad enough. And, you know, I think the biggest player in that game for me is when my therapist, uh, God rest her soul, she's passed away, but her name was Bernadine. And she was this beautiful, amazing African-American lady. And, uh, she wanted to push me into group therapy mm-hmm. after I'd been working with her for some time. And, Oh, Diana, I just know like group therapy. I might know someone there. Like then my secret would be out and how shameful. And when I finally decided to try it, um, it changed my world because what happened was I met all of these beautiful, kind, intelligent souls who were going through the exact same things I was. Mm-hmm. And, and how validating. Yes. It's it not so just you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so like, I think it's so kick ass that you're doing these podcasts and that we're talking about these kinds of things because mm-hmm. recognizing that other people have gone through this too, you know, and it, it's empowering and it helps people heal and it helps people relate. And that really, I think was my biggest turning point with all of that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, um, I also, just had this sort of like vision of like another mom who maybe Mm -hmm. is dealing with a 22 year old or maybe a a teenager who's dealing with some similar issues with anxiety or eating disorders or or whatever. Cause I mean, let's, there's a whole gamut of things that it could be. Right. Um, You know, some people like 
I had a friend, I had a friend that she's like, Oh my gosh, my poor parents had to deal with me. And I constantly was going into Nordstrom and stealing stuff. And that was yeah. like her thing. She was like yeah. a thief. I forget what it's called, but there's yeah. all sorts of things that kids go through and that parents have to lead them through in a graceful way. That's private. Oftentimes the parents have to keep their mouth shut about, you know, they're, they're, they're obviously not going to go post on social media. Oh, my daughter just got arrested for stealing yeah. lipstick again. Cause then it's so a reflection on them. Right. Right. And plus they're going through that all by themselves. Right. And at least now in these days, you know, you, you, you can like look it up on the internet or you can listen to other people who have been through it or something like that, because the, the isolation piece when you're dealing yes. with stuff like this is the worst part. Cause you just feel like, Oh, it's only my kid or, Oh, it's yes. only me. Yes. And, and there's so much shame wrapped yes. around it. Shame and secrecy and, you know, this secret. And I think a big part for me too was like, Hey, there's this part of myself that I really hate, like, but it's in there, you know, and it's there to stay like, this is me. This is who I am. So why don't we flip the script and embrace that part? Mm -hmm. You know, like, this is me. This is what I deal with. This is how I'm dealing with it. How can I take that energy and shift it into a way that will put me in a healthier place? Mm -hmm. um, I think that we spend way too much time trying to push things away um, instead of just letting them be, you know, inhaling them and letting them be and, and have their process and then using that as strength and power later on. Can you give me an example of that? Yeah. Um, I think, gosh, you know, and I think I mentioned just going through that process of handling this eating disorder, the process of therapy, like fighting it in the beginning and mm -hmm. denying it in the beginning. And once I got to a place of acceptance and, and this is part of me and who I am, that's when I could truly learn how to manage it right? Because mm -hmm. I've accepted it. Okay. This is what it is. Now, this is how I can treat that. And this is what I can do. That's good for that because it's not going away. Right. And in that you learn so much about yourself. And I think in that process too, you just, you just become stronger and you become self-aware. Um, and, and there's just such a power in that. I think even Another example is, you know, I've been, and I've been having conversations about this with a lot of different people lately, but I've been in Charleston for eight years now. Mm -hmm. um, Diana, it's beautiful. You need to come visit me. I'm coming. I've been there. I love it there. I'm yes. coming. Yes. It's amazing. That's where the Cooper River is, right? That's right. Yep. So I love, I love Charleston, um, but it has been a very challenging place for me to be. Um, I think I have felt there are a lot of expectations in this town. Um, there's a lot of money here. There's a lot of people drinking and partying here. Um, and it's been difficult for me to break into it. You know, I came from Athens. It's artsy and folky and you know all about Athens. Mm -hmm. Like I, I love so much about it and it's been very different here. Um, and I struggled a lot, even in career and jobs. And, you know, I've kind of worked my ass off in a lot of, for lack of better terms, shit jobs to find my way and to stick it out. And in doing so, I've learned so much about myself. You know, I, I bought a house in December and 
I have all these fun little projects going on on the side. Mm. And I think, and I don't even know now I'm just talking, but you know, I, I think the harder situations that we go through, if we can just learn to embrace them instead of trying to fight them, there's something so much more beautiful on the other side. If we Mm -hmm. can just get there. Yeah. Just relax about it. So do you feel like that Charleston is, um, (laughs) it's like your place? Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I was looking at moving to Colorado literally at the end of last year. And then I bought a house. So Mm -hmm. I guess, (laughs) I guess I've put some root down roots down at this point. I am here for a bit, you know, but, but Diana, you know, like my, and I actually don't know if you know this, but most of my family lives in Holland and I've always had aspirations and dreams to live in Europe for a few years, but Mm -hmm. you know, that, that may be down the road at some point, you know, but like I said, I'll be 35 soon. And, um, I just felt like I wanted to have a place to call home, you know, and it's, it's been a bit, uh, it's difficult for me at times to think like I'm still single and 35 Mm -hmm. here I am. Like, I guess I'm going to just do this on my own, you know? Yeah. Um, it's been hard. It's been hard. Um, Yeah. Well, tell me about that because we had talked before about how, you're coming up on 35 and you thought maybe you'd have kids. Yeah. And so managing expectations for sure. Um, you know, it's funny because in your twenties, there's just, you know, no matter what happens, there's time, right? Like Mm -hmm. plenty of time to figure that out. Like, and, and by no means do I think I'm old at 35, but I think it's, it's an age where it sort of struck me as, wow, okay, I kind of want to like take inventory of my life and figure out like the things I want to do um, and what's important to me. But yeah, I've, I'm a bit of a serial monogamist. I love being in relationships. Dating is fun, but the good stuff is when you have a partner, I think, um, mm-hmm. to share everything with. And so I've always been drawn to that, but for some reason I've just found myself in a lot of, um, you know, a bit untraditional or, or crazy relationships. And I'm sure everybody has one or two of those stories, but it's, it's been a, a it's been a lot. I, my mom and I joke that I just need to to write a book because there's a special chapter for every single one of them. Um, But at this point, you know, I'm I'm still single and dating and, and yeah, Dan, I talked to you a lot about like the whole kid thing. Like at this point in my life, you know, I never was one of those women who was like, God, I gotta have like kids to feel like I've done it, you know? I right. need that. Like I, I don't have that really deep maternal, like I need to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always thought too, like later in life, if I want them, like I can always adopt, like mm-hmm. you're a perfect example, you know, of that. And your story, God is so beautiful. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. And I would love to talk to you more about that one day, but yeah, I'm at a point where I'm like, like I said, in my twenties, there's always time, you know, if that happens. And now at 35, I'm like, will like, okay, am I going to have kids? Like that mm-hmm. seems kind of so far off now that I don't know if that's a feasible expectation for me at this point. And, 
there has been like a weird sense of mourning in that. And yeah. it doesn't stem from like the fact that I felt like I needed to have them. I think it stems from the fact that like, I may not have a choice in the fact mm-hmm. one day. And there have been several times I last year that I just kind of stopped and thought about it and, and got really emotional. Um, and I think that, you know, it's healthy to feel those things and recognize them and talk about them, just like I say about everything else. But it's been a very, um, this age has just been a very, like, it's a whole new world to me and the things that, that have been happening in my mind space. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, God, I just had, I was hanging out with one of my, my dear friends a couple weeks ago. Um her name's Shannon and and she just turned 50 and she's just an amazing human. And she's like, you know, Fiona, like you should look into freezing your eggs. And I just had a moment where I was like, is this like, this is the conversation I'm having right now, you know? Um, But it's, it's certainly, it's certainly something that has kind of been a part of my psyche as of late. And Diana, I remember you, um, quite some time ago, I think, God, that's when I was still probably in high school and you struggled with a miscarriage, correct? Mm-hmm, I did. How yeah. Difficult that was for you. Um, yeah. But like yeah. how beautiful, like your life has, I mean, for anybody out there listening right now and Diana, like, I know we haven't talked in a while, but just from what I see and all of the change and transitions that you have gone through from your divorce and adoption and, you know, kids from your prior marriage and a new child in your new marriage, you have like, you're such a beacon of light to people who have these sort of thoughts in their head. And I just want you to know that. Oh, thank you. That really means a lot to me because While you're saying all that, of course, my mind is running a thousand miles a minute, but all I can think is like, oh, she's definitely seeing the highlight reel (laughs) (laughs) because there's a lot of, you know, as your kids get to be older, I I put the baby up there a lot on social media because she has no say in it, but my big kids, (laughs) they've got their own lives. They think I'm completely embarrassing and they don't want to be anywhere near me. And so, I mean, for the most part, unless we're at home and they need hugs, but you know, there's an awful lot of the highlight reel that goes on on any social media. And there's a lot of the really super negative, really challenging, difficult stuff that because it's not my story to tell, it's not up there. So there definitely are some hard parts too, with adoption, with absolutely, um, with step parenting, with parenting, you know, co-parenting through a divorce has been really, really challenging. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I, sometimes when I, when I look at my life, I just think, okay, it's just, I'm just going to get through today. Like, that's how I have to be. Like, I'm just going to like tonight I'm making Mexican chicken soup and that's what we're doing for dinner. And that's all I know. And then tomorrow I'm going to get up and try again. And so. So what'd you think of that? I thought that was such an interesting conversation and it is so funny how it's not like 
about one thing. It's not a conversation about an explant surgery and like what her boobs look like after. It's more like this is what we as women go through. We go through all of these different changes and stages and evolution. And I think the conversation about her parents' divorce and the conversation about her grandparents and their dementia and how life twists and turns and it's so difficult sometimes and it's so hard and it winds around um, and through all of it, we have to find a way to fight for our mental health. And so I just really enjoyed um, hearing Fiona's process and knowing what she's gone through. I hope that this reaches somebody who, you know, maybe has been struggling with body confidence or body issues. And it's just another stepping stone towards knowing that you are not alone. We have all gone through this to some extent or the other. And, um, Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. If you ever want to get in contact with me, I'm at Miss Diana Bacay on Instagram. Hope you have a great day and thank you so much for listening. Bye.